I realized then to grow our business, you have to have the can-do attitude. You have to know, you have to start thinking a little bigger, and you have to say, you know what, I can do it just as well as anybody else. Welcome to Ambition Theory Women in Construction. This show asks questions that everybody is thinking about, but doesn't want to say out loud. It's about tackling complex topics like, why are there so few women in senior leadership positions? What is it going to take to change this? Each episode is a combination of motivation and tactical strategies to get ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. We learn, grow, and create opportunities. I am your host, Andrea Jansen, a certified executive coach with an MBA, and since 2018, I've coached over a thousand construction professionals to level up their leadership. Let's get started. I am so excited to share this week's episode with you featuring Heather and Sarah Cruikshanks. They are a mother-daughter team who run L.E. Cruikshanks Sheet Metal. In this episode, we talked about how neither of them started out in construction. Heather started out in banking and Sarah started out as a corporate lawyer and they found they weren't thriving in those careers and they made a change and are now thriving business owners in Halifax, Nova Scotia. We talked about the benefits and challenges of running a family business. They shared how their company started as a backyard operation and grew to a multi-million dollar company. They did this by leveraging a transformational leadership approach. And they also shared how you could transition into the construction industry in the middle of your career. I'm so honored to share this interview with you today. Hi, Heather. Hi, Sarah. We are so honored that you are joining us today on Ambition Theory Women in Construction. Heather Cruikshanks is the president of L.E. Cruikshanks Sheet Metal, and Sarah Cruikshanks is the operations manager. The company started over 30 years ago in the backyard of their house and now has become a serious player in the construction industry in Atlantic Canada. Neither of these incredible women that you're going to meet today started their careers in construction, but now they are running a family business and are leaders in the industry in Atlantic Canada. Welcome to the podcast. Heather, can you introduce yourself and tell us about what you do? Heather Crookshanks. I am co-owner of Crookshanks Sheet Metal. I believe that in the industry, if you're going to be part of a solution of a problem, you have to be involved. So because of that, I'm involved with the Construction Association Nova Scotia, Construction Safety, the Apprenticeship Board, Tech Exploration, which is actually getting young females into the construction and tech industry, to name a few. Amazing. Um, My observation, Heather, is that everybody in Nova Scotia knows who you are. <laughs> Okay. For good or for bad. <laughs> and I think I would say for good, because like you just talked about your involvement in tech exploration and people just seeing, knowing who you are, having that role model, that's such a powerful thing. Even if they don't know you personally, just to know of you, you can be that role model of having a successful career in the industry. So I appreciate that so much about you. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Can you introduce yourself and tell us about what you do? I'm Sarah Cook Jinx and I'm the operation 
negotiations manager here, which can mean anything from reviewing million dollar contracts to the cleaning of the containers that house our equipment for our jobs. Amazing. And what's your favorite part about working at LE Cruising, Sarah? I would say that no two days are ever the same. I remember growing up, mom used to say, every day is an adventure at my job, which, you know, as a kid, you don't really know what that means. But now that I'm working here, I completely understand what she means. I love that. Okay. So talking about when you were growing up, Sarah, so when you started your career, Heather, so Sarah, you were young when the company started. Heather, you were working in banking. And I'm so curious how you went from banking to co-owning a construction company. Well, I realized early on banking was not going to be for me. We talk about construction being a male-dominated business. The banking was no different back then. Unfortunately, the women did the work and the men got the praise. And that didn't always sit well with me. And of course, because I always thought outside the box. I knew that at some point in time, it would not end well for one of us. So I decided that banking was not going to be my career. It was not going to be how I was going to live my life. My husband being in construction, a sheet metal worker, we decided that perhaps we would actually, he would leave his job and we would start a construction company. And first we went into general contracting and then he decided to do what he did best was was sheet metal and we became a mechanical contractor. Can you describe the business in the early days? (laughs) Sure. So in the early days, my husband hired an apprentice and the main jobs we had were doing furnace change orders for Essel. So we just flip out furnaces. And I remember we were making $285 to $325 per change order, which back in the day, 30 plus years ago, was sustainable to have an income, but not to move ahead. So as we grew a little bit, did smaller jobs. But, you know, it was tough back then because it was in the 80s and things weren't just great. Construction was moving along, but the economy wasn't at the best state. And so you really had to take with what you could get. But there had to be more and we were going to find more. But there was many sheets of metal that we that I pulled up my driveway because the half-ton truck wouldn't fit up. So I had to offload the sheets and pull them up into the garage where we had the brakes and the shears set up. And that's how we we really started the business. And it and sounds like when you're describing it, when it started, it was more like a job, right? You were a job, but you didn't really have benefits and the stability. So you're hustling, hustling, hustling on that hamster wheel all the time. Was there a moment where you were like, there has to be a better way. I need to be that owner. What Can you tell me about how that shift happened? Yeah, so, you know, it's all about gaining the experience and reputation and expertise. And that's what we did. So as we grew and then, you know, we did all the stuff that we thought was right, but we still couldn't get ahead because back in the day, the open shop or non-union contractor was considered not to be somebody that could do the bigger projects and the union was, which I always had an issue with even before we had a issue with labor in our province in 1994, where they tried to shut out the open shop. That's a whole other story anyway, but that was the beginning of it. That was us working for contractors a little bigger, a little bigger. And then what we decided to do was get into a design build sort of projects where we, the engineer would do the drawing and then we would value engineer it and get it the budget to where it would be without actually interfering with the systems 
that were put in. So we really cut our teeth on that. And that's where the business started to grow. So then we had to promote that. And I think we did a very good job at that. And my husband would be in the field and I would be the one trying to juggle the ball, so to speak, and get things moving with the contractors and really getting a sense of comfort with the contractors and developers and owners that we could actually do what we were promoting. Okay. At what point did it shift from this kind of like small in your backyard type of shop to like the multi-million dollar business that it is today. Tell me about that transformation. Well, of course, as you grow, we had to move out of the backyard. The neighbors at some point in time probably were going to get annoyed. And so we did. We found a building in Dartmouth that was not in the best. But anyway, we rented that for a while. And so as we grew, we need more space. And as we needed more space, we grew. So that really kind of happened that way. We became the go-to contractor for design building before design build was actually something that everybody was doing. Then back in 2000, we took the plunge of actually buying a piece of property and putting up our own tilt-up building, which was the most terrifying thing you could ever imagine to know that you had to pay for all this stuff and you had to make sure you had to work because everybody knows construction is very fluid. It can be up today and down tomorrow. But to back up a bit, it was 1994 where we had labor issues in the province where the union tried to shut out the open shop. And we, a few of us gathered in by Sarah's school and we had a meeting and they wanted to fight it. And they thought, well, Heather, you lead the charge. Now, I don't know why they thought I should lead the charge, but anyway, I did. And so we lobbied around the entire province and said, what? I realized then to grow our business, you have to have the can-do attitude. You have to know, you have to start thinking a little bigger, and you have to say, you know what, I can do it just as well as anybody else. So because I gathered that from traveling around the province and talking to all these contractors and realized these were bright people, but they were actually not being able to move ahead because they had the label of non-union and not being able to. And so it wasn't only our company that benefited from it. I believe the entire open shop sector grew after that because eventually the government saw the light of day. They changed the legislation back to where it should be. And we all went back to being able to work in our province the way we should have been. I just want to interrupt about this attitude of abundance. It's not a me versus you. If, if we do this, we all win. And that's what I really appreciate about your leadership style, because you win for yourself and you, you hold the door open for other people and you have like this attitude of winning. And do you think that's what it is that kind of like brought the company to kind of the level where it is today? I do. And the fact that I'm stubborn or crazy, I never quite figured that one out because I would always go a little farther, push a little harder, a little more outside the box. I didn't conform well to the way that everything always was supposed to happen. Just because it always happened one way doesn't mean it was the right way. And I think that if you have the right attitude and you have the ability to actually think outside the box, you will drag other people with you. And that's exactly what happened. And the more I look back at it, it was really the catalyst for not only my company, but for many other companies around mainland Nova Scotia to realize that, hell yeah, we can do this just like anybody else. And we do. So right now, the open shop represents about 80% of construction in Nova Scotia. Wow. So you really led a shift in the industry, opened the doors for so many more companies to be successful and do 
business in the province. That is really incredible. And it's really interesting that we're having this kind of a similar issue now with the labor shortage. I'm curious how you're handling it. (laughs) Everybody is having a labor shortage. It's too bad that we didn't really listen 15 years ago. But, you know, there's a lot of people to blame for this. If we want to play the blame game, you have educators, parents, students, and ourselves. We did not sell construction the way we should have. We allowed it to be the same old, same old, and they will come. They're not coming. And now we have a problem. Okay. I want to ask Sarah a question now about this because Sarah, because construction, your career is so interesting. When I met you, I was like, oh, okay. Sarah's part of the family business later. So I'm so curious what it was like for you to have, because most women our age don't have that exposure to construction and what kind of possibilities there are in the industry. So I'm so curious what it was like for you. Like your mom's having meetings outside your school. So you literally watched like your mom enter the industry and grow a successful business like as you were growing up and kind of making decisions for your own career. I want to know what that was like. It was really busy growing up. It felt like we were running everywhere all over the city. I think I was to every supplier in all of Halifax and Dartmouth before I was like 10 because at the beginning mom's job was to go get dad needed materials on site we gotta go so we go pick them up take them aside people need lunch people need coffee so I think I thought that was normal I guess to be that exposed to it all the time but mom was really really involved in the open shop and the construction sector I think I just kind of took it for granted it wasn't until I got a bit older and realized she's pretty much one of a handful of females that are leaders in construction okay so when it was time for you to kind of decide where your career path I am I've never actually asked you this before the podcast to ask you how did you end up like deciding to go into law school like tell it tell me about that well there was never the intention for me to come to the family business it was actually I wouldn't say discouraged but a little bit because I think the stresses that my parents experienced financially and the mental stress you know of like building a business from your backyard through construction it was just never discussed or talked about and I wanted to go do my own thing I didn't want this impression that oh yeah she's just handed this job because it's her parents so I wanted to, I guess, find my own path and I ended up back here anyway. <laughs> so maybe this is where I'm supposed to go. But yeah, I, after I did my undergrad in criminology and psychology, and then that kind of sparked my interest in law. Although I ended up doing corporate law when I got there, I decided criminal law wasn't for me. Then I had my first daughter, so I had three girls, and I had my first daughter and I tried to go back into law. I tried to go part-time and it just wasn't working for our family. It was the demands on my time were too much. So I left my job at the law firm and I didn't have a job. Then our office administrator was going on leave for three months. And my mom said, why don't you just come in and you can help around the office and you can do job interviews for other law firms or whatever it is you're going to do. And so just stay for three months. And that was over 12 years ago. Wow. Okay. I find it so interesting that because law is an industry that we know there's lots of women that go into law but then at that partner level like in law firms the research says that women usually leave and the majority of people at that partnership level are men but the same thing happens in construction (laughs) yeah 
Yeah. Fascinating that like it, it wasn't able to work in law, but for some reason it's working really well for you in construction. Why do you think that is? I think that one of the main advantages of a family business, and there are some disadvantages, but one of the main advantages is the flexibility. So the girl dad is a lawyer as well. So he's not always accessible. If he's in court, you know, if the school can't get a hold of him, if they call me here, I can go. I can work from home if I need to work from my phone, but working in a family business, we have flexibility to do that. Okay. And do you think that's good? Because your parents like set the culture and that those family values are really, really important and it kind of trickles down? I think so because when I was young, my mom was always there. She actually, we lost a basketball coach. They had to leave for whatever reason, probably through here. My mom has never coached basketball. She's like, oh, I'll do it. So she, I remember going to the bookstore to get a coach basketball and um, coached the team for a few years. Like, so I think that, yes, she also ran a business. She was also involved with me as a kid. So I feel like we've kind of brought those values here and we trickled down to be Queries as well. That is really cool. So I'm really curious, Sarah, if you could describe your mom's leadership style. We're in separate rooms. For yeah, we are. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I would say, mom and I have uh, they have a different approach to our leadership style. My mom was very direct, and I feel like coming through construction at a time when she was most times the only female in the room, she had to be very direct to get her point across. If you've shown like any bit of weakness, people either won't take you seriously or you won't have the respect that you deserve. And so I feel like if my mom wants something, she just asks for it directly. Okay, Heather, what can you describe your leadership <laughs> style? Oh. <laughs> oh, now I get my revenge. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so what Sarah's is more perhaps the thought process as far as more politically correct, taking time to look at collateral damage, which I did, but in a different way. Oftentimes, I would have been the collateral damage if I didn't come off direct and make my point. So Sarah doesn't have to be like that, and which is probably a good thing because the culture has changed and her approach is probably not going to get in as much trouble as what I would, which is probably a good thing because I tend to react immediate and want a direct answer or result. But Sarah is more the thinker and figuring out which is the best path, what's it going to affect, who's it going to affect, where I would try to do that in 10 seconds and then just do it for good or bad. <laughs> and how does that balance? I guess that sounds great. There's complementary skill sets. How does that help running the business today that you both bring these different approaches to the table? So generally, if there's an issue to be dealt with, I'll go in and state my case and then Sarah will state her case and we'll meet in the middle ground. So it does work. Now, I may not always agree 100%, but I do see the value and I'm sure she doesn't always agree with me either. <laughs> And you better see the value anyway. (laughs) But, you know, I I think that having different styles are important because, again, it it is so fluid. Every day is different. You have to react differently to everything that comes in front of you. You, There is no template. And I think, oh, sorry. I think that what works in one scenario or with one general contractor or one employee may not necessarily work. So if really helpful in, I guess, two approaches. And then we could say, okay, well, maybe in this situation, we'll handle it this way. And in a different situation, we may go the more direct route. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? It's that feeling that you don't deserve to be there and you don't know what you're doing. At any moment, people will reveal that you're a fraud and that you don't belong. 
Until recently, imposter syndrome was considered an internal problem, something that's in your head, and it was up to you, the individual, to solve this problem. I want to tell you today that this assumption is wrong. There is new research that explains why imposter syndrome is a systemic issue and not an individual problem. We've created a free report exploring the evidence and providing strategies companies can use to address this. Here's the truth. If you're a woman in construction, imposter syndrome is not all in your head. Get the report at ambitiontheory.ca forward slash imposter. So I had this conversation with someone a couple of months ago, and they used this term that is popular in the construction industry called like FBI, like the industry is run by fathers, brothers, and in-laws. And your company is run by like a mother-daughter team, which is really <laughs> incredible. What do you think are some of the advantages that like Ellie Cruikshanks is, it stands out, right? Like the way that your business is run is different from most other businesses like yours. So what are some, what do you think some of the advantages are? Well, I think part of the advantages is our longevity. And in the beginning, when I was still trying to figure this all out, I gained respect because I gave respect. I didn't know have all the answers I needed to learn. So I would ask the questions. You know, yes, I could be heard sometimes in that, but that was kind of expected and it was accepted. That's the funny part. So the advantage was that, you know, as a female, I probably got to push the envelope a little farther than <laughs> what a male could have done. So that that was indeed a uh, advantage in the beginning, even though, yes, of course, I ran up against some contractors that were not as accepting, but for the most part, it did work. So being a female was an advantage for me, but also, you know, you don't earn respect. You have to earn respect. You can't demand it. And that was my approach. And so that was a big advantage for me. Heather, it's like the, you are just describing the trend. We teach like transformational versus transactional leadership. And what you're describing is like the textbook definition of a transformational leader, like building those relationships, building that trust, building that respect. And I love it how you had to ask questions because you didn't have the technical expertise expertise. Like your technical expertise came from banking. That's where you, I'm sure you got lots of training on banking and you never actually had formal training. No, no, it forced you. It's interesting because it sounds like it, you had, it forced you to actually lean on those transformational skills. You couldn't actually go around and tell people exactly what to do because at the beginning, I don't think you really, did you even know? No, part of what helped is I used to do the time cards. So I would do the payroll and things like that. So I would actually see how long it would take to do things. So fortunately, I have the ability to think 3D. And so I could go out and say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And my employees were the best asset I had. Like, you know, I would go out and say, so how, how are we going to do this? Can we do it this way or that way? So you have to know what you don't know in order to learn. I love it. Sarah, how about you? What do you think the advantages are of being kind of like a mother-daughter team in the construction industry? Don't say the lunches. So that's how you booked me in the beginning. I know. A lot of free lunches because of the three months I started. I would say one of the advantages, one of the things I like about it is the ability to institute change in the company. If something's not working, we can sit down and be like, this isn't working, let's make change. So in a family business, you can just make changes on the spot. Yes, it takes a little bit to actually, I guess, institute the things to 
make that change happen, but we don't have to, I guess, discuss it with a whole bunch of other people. If we just said, I'm going to make the change, now we're going to try something new. This is now the new process. So I think that, I guess that's one advantage of, of that. Also, unfortunately, some of the stuff that my mom came up against, it still happens today, where there are certain people in the industry that, because you're a female, speak to you differently than they would speak to, I guess, the male in the company in the same position. So, but to have someone to go and vent to and say, you're not going to make it just happen. I'm going to be like, oh no, I got a better sell, you know, and just to kind of be like, but it's okay. Like this is going to happen. You're going to come up against it and you'll win them over eventually just by being good at your job. But you kind of probably have to go through a few bumps in the road to get there. Okay. So are there any disadvantages? Because it sounds like you've built this incredible business, this incredible culture. You have these great relationships in the industry. I'm really curious if there are any disadvantages. Yes. I would say one of the disadvantages is that your job never stops. So it's not like we leave here at whatever time at the end of the day and it's not on your mind. It's on your mind. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. When we're at the cottage in the weekends, the family cottage with the kids, like the kids will have to say to us, no work talk, because it's so easy for my to be like, oh yeah, I forgot to mention this, or oh yeah, I have an idea about that, because it pops in your head, so you just want to share it. But I guess to be able to create the boundary where we're not at work anymore, we should more. I think that's one of the disadvantages. Yeah, that makes it. So it sounds like your kids are kind of on it. It's like your, your kids are almost like that's uh, it's really cool. Like your kids have this like vision for the culture of like what happens at the family cottage. And yeah. when you're not upholding those behaviors, they are, are like empowered to call you out on it. I love that because that's like you have to have people to hold you accountable. Right? Yeah. We're human, oh. right? Of course, yeah. we can talk about work. It's easy, yeah. right? Like, oh, no one else around. We could talk about yeah. work. But I love that your kids are like have that vision of like this is the standard of behavior this is the culture at the cottage and like they're upholding the standards i love that although uh, sometimes it does create you know to discussions and then the kids get into it and they're like oh but then what happened with this so they're asking questions about it and they're like yeah. what if you tried this and i was like uh-oh uh-oh well, the door in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happened to me <laughs> totally it's so okay heather can you think of any disadvantages you know, I mean, that is a huge one. The stress can sometimes, you know, especially in the early days, financial stress was, uh, and it can still rear its ugly head. You never know. You're only as good as the last job and as how financially sound the person is you're doing the work for, because in construction, there's no guarantee of payment. So that's always something that I saw as a disadvantage. Now we are working on legislation on prompt payment right now, but which will help, but that you still are really hanging out there at the end of the day. You're investing everything, your blood, sweat, and tears, and it could really disappear overnight if somebody was to go bankrupt and you would have to pay everybody. So that is one huge, there's no guarantees. So it's really just figuring, like making sure with your banking, I'm sure though, Heather, you probably are bringing something unique to the table from the, that banking experience of how to navigate that, how to like protect yourself from those kind of risks. Yes, I learned early on the banks are not your friends. They're only your friends when you don't need them. So, you know, and I would actually express that feeling to them. And because I knew how the bank operated, I was able to use a little more leverage, so to speak, on knowledge to be able to work around some of the roadblocks they would throw up. Mm, I love it. Yeah. 
especially like if my career path is so interesting, right? Because like every step, like your path wasn't a straight line, but every step along the way, you learned a valuable skill that helped you to really get where you are today. So Sarah, I'm curious with your law background, like what are some things that you are bringing from that aspect to the business and to your yeah, job that, today? That, that's one thing that I think is great that I do. The skills are transferable. So a lot of guys never at least the ability to read or review contracts and pick them apart and negotiate like feel like that has been a huge advantage for us because construction is becoming very paper heavy, everything in writing. So I think the ability to, you know, review these contracts with a fine tooth comb and go back, negotiate clauses that are in our best interest. I feel like that's so. So we have some banking experience, we have some labor experience. Okay, now I want to talk about the next energy because we talked about it a little bit earlier. Like there is a talent shortage. It's like everywhere in North America, in the industry, like uh, for all positions. And Heather, you talked about how we have ourselves to blame, teachers, parents. What are some reasons? What are some things that we need to shift? How do we shift that kind of mentality and getting people excited about construction? Because you both have extremely exciting careers. And it's one of those things, even Sarah, you said it wasn't something like you weren't like, I'm, I'm going into this. <laughs> even growing up in it, it wasn't like you weren't pushed that way. You weren't even given the option of, do you want to pursue this path? You went around this like loop to ultimately end up there. But how can we make it more accessible to women and girls? We, we're getting there. It's a slow process. I mean, immigration is another thing that we have to look at. We have things like Texploration, which is the association, and it's that is they're doing great work with, and they're getting young women involved in, you know, math and, and things that you need because, you know, for some reason, people think tradespeople is dirty means dumb. Well, it, it doesn't mean dumb. It just means they've decided to use their hands to make a living and probably will someday own their own business. We've had four employees that have left over the last 38 years that have started their own companies. I consider that great. Okay. You know, so, so you're developed like that's a, that's a testament to the culture in your company, though, right? That you're teaching people the, the skill, like they're, you're teaching them business skills and they're like learning from you. That's incredible. Well, I mean, we actually went to an event a while ago and one of those uh, former employees were there and we were talking about all that. The best lessons he learned about this was from Heather or from Leo or for this to that. So, you know, we're not doing enough of that. We have to get females into the workforce. Now, not everybody is going to be a sheet metal worker. There are are certain limitations, but there's so many jobs in construction that can be done that doesn't require heavy lifting and all these other things. And we are getting better at having technology to allow us to do this stuff better. But we have to get to the educators because they are the academics, the guidance counselors, whatever, that are deciding this person goes here, that person goes there. Just because they have a 95 average doesn't mean that they couldn't work in construction. They could be engineer, architectural draft, whatever, but they're never given the opportunity. We're not allowed to talk to them. We don't get the opportunity. If they don't know, parents don't know. So where are we going to get the people. And I think you brought up a really good point is the business aspect of construction. I don't know if when we're talking about it, we don't really talk about construction as a business and how exciting that is. Like this, the stuff that you're doing, like building relationships, developing people, like all you do that in any type of industry. But I don't know if we necessarily focus on that because that I, that to me 
is like what you've done, what you've built as a family, that's really exciting. It touches on so many different levels. It does. And uh, I have a lot of fun. I left a construction association meeting early, board meeting to, to do this. And we always, you know, we're, we're talking, networking, thing, sharing stories, still getting the work done. It's the best of the best. So it's unfortunate that parents aren't aware of the opportunities that exist. And we have to do a better job. And as I said, we are to blame too. We did not sell ourselves. We assumed everybody would just show up at the door. Well, that's not happening. And guess what? It's not going to happen for a long time. So, Sarah, what do you think? You have young, ki- younger, young kids. What do you think needs to happen to kind of shift that perspective? I feel like earlier exposure is the key. Everyone assumes everyone's going to university or maybe that doesn't work out. And then it's almost like people think it's too late to go back and, and change their career path or try something new. I feel like if we could expose kids to construction and the opportunities in construction earlier, that would at least be a start. Because my girls are now exposed to it. They can all help build things. And I have pictured my nine-year-old. She's up drilling a flower box with her dad. Like to them, it's just normal. And these are things that they now know they can do without question. But I was also exposed to it. But I have a lot of friends who, you know, can't even put a key furniture because, you know, they just weren't exposed to it because they're female. And that's kind of a joke, but also true. I just think early exposure is the key. Not everyone's going to like it, but there are so, like my mom said, there are so many opportunities in construction. There's so many different avenues you could, you could join. Okay, I love it. So is there anything else you want to add about why you love construction and why, like, any lessons from working in the industry that you want to share? Well, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. Not at all. I mean, the amazing people that I've met, that I've dealt with, that I deal with, politicians, I have fun with that sort of thing. And to actually be able to walk away and say, we did that building, you know. Oh, there's your medal of honor, if you want to say it that way. Sarah used to always say, why do you always look up when we go in these places? Because that's where our ductwork is. So I'm looking up at going in a Sobeys or a Superstore or something like that. Or, you know, there's, to be quite honest, there's not many buildings that we can't go by and say, oh yeah, we did some work there. We did some work there. And even for the employees, it's a sense of pride. For me, it was just the best thing that we did was actually go into construction because I think that, yes, there's days when you just say, what did I do this for? But you know what? There's more of the other days that you say, okay, you know what? This is working and we're doing that. And the old saying is you want to leave something better than you found it. Well, that's what I'd like to think with construction that we've. So for me, it, I, it was, it's still exciting. I love it. Sarah, anything else you want to add? I will tell you that as a kid, remember I got my dad to drive me somewhere. We always did an extra 20 minute tour to look at all the buildings that he had worked on. Whether I had friends with me or not. Like, <laughs> we worked on this building we've done this building you're like you just want to get to the party but i do think that sense of pride in the work that you've done and i also think that we have a really great crew of employees here and so like my mom said at the end of the job we would be like well we made it through or like even the stresses to work together with the employees over the stresses on the job like i don't know it's just the nice it's a nice community of of workers that we have here and I think that and also the fact that no two days are for the same like you're not going to get bored working in construction okay so one last question so at the end of our podcast we always want to end with a 24 act hour action that people can take so that's something that they can do immediately today or tomorrow after they learn something new to apply it so I'm thinking construction like what you do it is there's so many opportunities right now and we're kind of at this point where employees are disengaged across like 
North America. People are not loving going to work right now. But I think there's an opportunity for people to love going into construction and have that excitement. So if there's somebody who isn't in construction right now and they're like, ooh, there's something there, how could they get started exploring that as a career path? And I'll, I'll take an action from both of you. So Sarah, why don't you go first? I would say call someone that you know in construction and set up, you know, a coffee meeting and just like start doing your research. Talk to this person, you know, like someone knowledgeable in construction. Well, are you offering? But yeah, like like just to kind of get a better understanding of, of what you could be you know, experiencing you'd be going to construction. Okay, I love it. Heather, do you have anything to add? I think that right now with the environment where most companies have an open door policy, if you have the willingness to learn, I made a comment to somebody the other day, if they have a pulse, I'll hire them because that's where we are. So if you get somebody that actually has the initiative to walk through the door and ask the question, take a tour of the shop to see what we do, they will probably end up with a job if they want it. So okay. it's really just exposing themselves to any company, pick something, glass installers, whatever. Everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's going to entertain an interview or a discussion. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. I have been looking forward to this interview for such a long time. And how do people connect with you and how do they connect with Ellie Cruikshank, because if someone is listening and they're like, that sounds like a great company, what should they do? We have a website, www.elliecruikshanks.com. You could reach out to Mother Roy. Yeah, or on LinkedIn. Okay. Yes. We'll post those in the show notes. We'll post the Ellie Cruikshanks website and your LinkedIn information so they can connect with you. And again, thank you so much for doing this interview. I learned a lot and I'm just excited for what's next for your business. It's a journey. It's an adventure and I'm just excited for it to keep going for you. Thanks, Andrea. Thank you very much and you take care.